What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the first Weekday Warriors of Wrestling of 2020. It's February 6th. I'm Eric Clancy, joined by Patrick Kelly. Uh, lots of stuff has happened. We are post-Royal Rumble. We are, um, uh, I guess, a few weeks into the Wednesday Night War in 2020. And uh, we just had a bunch. Yes, Wrestle Kingdom happened, correct. Um, and <clears throat> we've had some major changes and shakeups in WWE. Um, so <clears throat> I guess we'll start with the most recent news first, and that's... Um, Last night was the uh, February 5th episode of Dynamite and NXT. And for the, I think, 13th time in about, like, 17 weeks, AEW has won again um, in the actual thing, which is the demo, and also in total viewers, which is not a thing, but it's how people keep scoring this for some reason. So, um, uh, well, we're going by the demo. NXT, or um, I'm sorry, if we're going by the demo, hasn't AEW won every week? They lost once, I think. I think it was the December okay. 18th episode. Mm. Yeah. Okay, then. So what did you think of the shows? Uh, I haven't had a chance to see NXT yet. Uh, normally, I wait until it drops on the network before I watch it. Um, uh, AEW, I thought overall was solid. I really liked the closing segments. I thought they came off fairly well. Um, uh, there's still some issues that they need to work out, like they're – I, for lack of a better term, you know, spot festy video game style tag matches. But for the most part, I enjoyed the show. Yeah, no, I, I liked it too. Um, I know probably the last time uh, people heard us was when I went on that huge rant on AEW um, after the <laughs> December 18th episode. And um, I thought they, um, since that time, has cor- have corrected so many <clears throat> issues. Um, I think they've done a better job with the referees. I think they've they've curbed a lot of the bullshit um i think they're getting better with some of their like tag matches i don't think they're there yet but you know um i think they've improved um <clears throat> there's still a few invisible camera segments but you know i think we're getting they're listening to feedback more than wwe does and um yeah i think that's cool and i liked um you know the the, the bash to the beach episode i thought was great um the cruise episode was so unique so <clears throat> AEW to me feels like a living, breathing promotion. And I mean, it's a similar way. Um, I'm watching, um, I'm watching old Raws as I always do. Um, and I'm in 97 and it's amazing because you have all these characters and you have opinions towards other characters and, and where they fit in. And you have like, you know, for instance, Bad Blood just happened, and Steve Austin attacked Farouk to give Owen Hart the title because Steve Austin wants Owen Hart, and he wants the Intercontinental title. So he wants to keep it on Owen and make sure no one beats Owen. <clears throat> so this means Farouk has a problem with Austin. Austin still has a problem with Owen, but Austin also has a problem with Farouk. Um, <clears throat> Austin 
kind of begins a problem having a problem with the rock during this however meanwhile the nation have a problem with the heart foundation because dx is instigating stuff with them so dx and the heart foundation are going at it but there's also um the nation kind of being involved in that on top of that <clears throat> the um the nation has an issue with um lod and uh ken shamrock and of course ahmed johnson from the past so that that's their immediate matchup, but they, they have, they have uh, concerns coming up with Austin at the next pay-per-view. That's one faction and they've got like nine different feuds going on and it's not convoluted or doesn't not make sense. It's all been established very clearly. And I think that's the thing I like about AEW that I forgot that I liked about wrestling so much is when you see WWE, it's let's say Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston are feuding. Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston will hardly interact with anyone else in the show except for each other. They'll be locked into this little bubble and they'll compete and they'll wrestle and they'll have segments with each other. And that'll be it until they, unless they tag with someone else or they go to their next feud. And it's just, it's such an um, artificial way to do it. I don't feel like these are actually people with opinions. I feel like they're pawns locked. It, it, it's like, oh, I picked Ryu and you picked Ken and we're going to fight each other. Right. Yeah, and you know it's funny. You've been watching old Raws. I've actually been watching old Nitros, and I'm I just left off at the one right before Scott Hall shows up. So I'm basically oh, at the pre NWO okay. period. Yeah, and it's really fascinating to watch those early episodes. I mean, there's a lot of dumb crap in there, like the Dungeon of Doom. But you look at how they presented the Giant on that show, and he just you know say what you will about how green he was at the time, but. Man, did they convincingly book him as a monster. He is regularly destroying people, like top names like Sting and Flair and Hogan and Savage, and like almost every week it seems. So he's a believable killer at the very least. Um, And you've got the Four Horsemen, and they're all split off doing various other things. You've got Savage going after Flair. You've got Flair who has problems with Eddie Guerrero. That was the last episode I saw. And, and there's just so many different things going on. It was It's actually very interesting to watch those early episodes that – tend to get, like, I don't know, what's negative feedback when people look back on it, but I'm like, well, eh, I'll, I'll do yeah. this over what, most of what we have today. Yeah, I mean, of course, I would too. Now, I've been watching the Nitros as well, so I, I watch the Nitro and the Raw mm-hmm. next to each other, essentially, like they're happening. Um, yeah, it's funny because there's, like, <clears throat> so pre-NWO, it's, like, to me, the things that stick out are, like, and I, and I watched those things, I think, like one or two years ago. So, like, I, I'm fairly – I'm recently removed from those. Um, you get um, – actually, maybe it was three years ago. God, time flies. But um, <laughs> you – yeah. You get um, – I, I think of, like, the Dungeon of Doom. I think of Hogan and Savage against the Horsemen. Because, you know, in those, like – there's those episodes in like Vegas in like January where like Hogan's wrestling every week and it's like really shitty um, because he's Hogan. Um, And it's like, you know, he loses to Arn Anderson in that one. And it's just like, it was just like, it was a, it was an hour show. So like, so you got variety on that, which I appreciated, but like the main events with Hogan each week were just like so bad. Savage would be better, but his character was just so like, passe at that point um yeah so like like i i appreciated how they built the giant but like once again hogan killed that so many times like he beats his ass like at halloween havoc 
He beats him at Super mm-hmm. Brawl. Like, like they booked the Giant really well when he wasn't with Hogan, but, like, they did so much damage. And then, of course, once Hogan joins the NWO, he does the same thing. He beats him right again, and he makes him subservient. And, like, uh, yeah, it's like but, – but, yes, I understand what you're saying. There's, there's a lot of good stuff on that show. I would, of course, take it over 2019, 2020 Raw any day of the week. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, but, but AEW, like, you know – you've got these people that feel like real humans, like Hangman Page. Like, here's what I get out of Hangman Page. A lot, by the way. Um, I get that he's a guy who feels like he's left out with his friends, has kind of gone into a little depression, turned into alcohol, is still super talented, doesn't hate his friends, but, like, has ambivalence towards them, is closer with Kenny than he is with the Young Bucks. And, like, to me, that's like, wow, that's really specific and interesting. It's, it's better than, than what I thought they were doing at the beginning, where it's just like, they're going to turn on each other and then fight. I'm like, oh, okay, this is way better. And as you've seen going forward, Hangman's gotten incredibly over due to this character. Yeah, he has. He's kind of become the overnight sensation where he's arguably one of the most over people on the show. Yeah, to the point where I would say I would not um, – I would not turn that guy heel at this point because I think he's super over and they, they've struck something. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, let's, let's actually just get to the shows. Um, uh, I enjoyed the main event too, Patrick. I thought, um, I thought it was, you know, I, I, I spoke to some people who thought it was too long. I do agree. It was a little long. I would have cut like five minutes off of it, but I like the idea of Cody struggling through and his friends coming down and they did enough things in between the whippings to keep it, fresh um i thought mjf came off as a grade a piece of shit and um Mm -hmm. i mean everything even the stuff they didn't plan like when that fan attacked him and they beat the shit out of that fan that was cool um but you know it's just to me it's it's weekly storytelling but with like a an eye towards long-term arcs and it reminds me of how wwf used to be when you would build these long stories for quarterly pay-per-views and um, I appreciate that. I know there was some discussion around December and early January where they're like, you know, there are enough big shows to build to. And I think they're getting the hang of it now. I think they understand that you have like your pay-per-view. And then after that, you build toward like a midpoint, like a month and a half or whatever, two months after the pay-per-view. And then you start to heat up your background stories to be your main stories. And then you go into the next pay-per-view. And I think they're getting the hang of it. I, I think we all forget that, that AEW is a young company. They've been on the air less than a year. Um, and they're beating mm-hmm. a WWE brand, you know, like that, that can't be understated enough. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at where they are right now compared to any other company that tries to compete with Vince. I mean, they're doing quite well for themselves. I mean, Patrick, like how insane would it have been if I told you in 2016 that another company was going to appear out of nowhere and they were going to sell out, well, not sell out, but they were going to draw Four to 6,000 people for a weekly television show. Would you have believed that? No, not at all. I mean, how long ago was it that ROH, on their biggest show of the year, <clears throat> would run around WrestleMania, and they would be like, we got 4,000 people. And it was like a big deal. AEW does that. Yeah. That's like the low end. Like, And I'm not saying AEW is like setting the world on fire, because they're not. Like, you know, they're in medium-sized arenas, but they're doing about what Raw does. 
like with the exception of like large shows or whatever, they do about what Raw does. Now, the difference, of course, is that AEW doesn't have house shows in Raw, and so there's a little bit less um, interest in Raw because they're running house shows. But they're cutting those house shows out. So like AEW is, um, I, I mean, they're they're doing really well, and I think for the most part, people that see these shows are like happy to see them and they're like and they enjoy it and you and i know from experience it takes a while to build momentum in pro wrestling you have to put on a consistently good product to to uh sustain an audience i mean we're we're talking about 97 right i felt Mm -hmm. that wwf had the superior product to wcw from about april 97 onward and it didn't really start showing in the ratings until April 1998, but um, the groundwork was laid there. And, and when you start to build momentum and you start to establish things, it keeps going. And I think what you're seeing now, and tell me if you disagree with this, I think what we've seen from AW in these first four months is they're telling long-term stories. They're building stars, whether it's MJF, Sammy Guevara, uh, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and they're not hot-shotting things, which I've noticed NXT has done, whether it's the Riddle-Cole match, whether it's the Keith Lee-Strong um, match, whether it's the um, uh, Finn Balor-Cole match, or it's Rhea Ripley and uh, Shayna Baszler. They are hot-shotting things, whereas AEW mm. is staying in their lane. Yeah, there is a lot of that going on. To further your point, they just had their first title change in company history. Just, what was it, the crew show? That was last week? Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so they're really... Oh, okay, um, well, I was just going to say, they're really holding back on stuff and really trying to save the big moments for later on. And then you look at the next few weeks of television, what they're selling is major attractions. Obviously, we had the, uh, the MJF Cody thing where they're selling an angle as a main event rather than a match. Um, yeah. You've got the cage match with Wardlow coming up. They've got a 30-minute Iron Man match with Omega and Pac. So uh, they're building the big things on TV. And, uh, you know, to go back to the NXT point, I do think the matches you listed, with the exception of maybe Cole and Riddle, um, they did have, like, several weeks of buildup into them. So it's not like they were just randomly throwing stuff out there just to, just to do it. No, but, no, no. I, I don't think that. But they're not putting them on takeovers. Oh, sure. Absolutely not. Like, what is the card for the next takeover? I don't even know. It's Ciampa and and Ciampa and Cole, um, Ripley and Bel Air. um, uh, I think uh, Broser Waits are challenging for the tag titles. I actually haven't watched NXT in a while, I'll be honest. I'm like, you know, not that I dislike the product of NXT, but like, at the end of the day, it's WWE's attempt to kill competition. And for me, having multiple places to work is the best thing for wrestlers, for wrestling fans. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, NXT is still a WWE product and it's designed to put AEW out of business. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be part of that. <laughs> Fair enough. And that's part of the reason why, I, no, I don't live in a Nielsen house or anything, but I, focus my attention on Wednesday nights on AEW because I do want to support the new show. I do want to help the non-WWE brand survive for the reasons that you stated. It's just more fun when you have more options. And NXT, it's going to be on the network in a few days anyway, so I don't see any reason to watch it live. Yeah. Um, uh, So we had... um, 
what else did we have on this show? Um, um, yeah, we set up Pack and uh, Kenny, which I thought was was great, um, and and should probably be a really cool match. Um, uh, Moxley continues to be over. Um, yeah, I mean, just like they're they're doing so many great things. There's never, there's very rarely for me a match on dynamite that I'm like, this is an amazing match. I need to show somebody about it. But what they consistently do is have storytelling and character building, which will make those moments at pay-per-views like full gear, like double or nothing mean a lot more. And I think revolution will have a lot of that going for it too. Um, sure. Absolutely. So let's move, yeah. Let's move on from AEW. Let's talk about the Royal rumble because that was a big uh, thing that happened in the meantime. Uh, Patrick, what did you think of this show? Um, well, honestly, I enjoyed both Rumble matches. That was about okay. it. Everything else was just kind of there and just kind of filling space in between the Rumbles. I, I did enjoy both Rumbles. Um, not sure how I feel about Charlotte winning because uh, that just felt like an, a predictable thing to do, and I don't know what title she's going to go for. I hope to God they don't do her and Becky again because we've – not that their matches are bad. It's just we, we've seen it. I'm good. And the other Rumble, I thought I really liked the men's Rumble, especially the, half, the first half where Lesnar was just killing everybody, which is almost exactly how I wanted it booked. It's like, all right, have them just absolutely destroy everybody and then have the guy that wins the Rumble ultimately eliminate him. And that's pretty much what they did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I agree with you. I, um, I like the men's Rumble more than I like the, the women's Rumble. Um, it was more thought, memorable. Yeah, I thought this was um, probably the best Royal Rumble since 2009. Um, mm-hmm. It was, like you said, it, it had a lot of different stories, and it was, like, like just really interesting. So the Brock Lesnar thing, like, set up so well. At first, you know, he's throwing out Elias and Eric Rowan and Robert Roode and John Morrison, and nobody really cares. And they're like, oh, he's killing these people and stuff. And then Kofi comes out, and you're like, oh, cool. This is like a – so here's another storyline is Brock and Kofi. We really didn't get to see that. So um, – Kofi and Brock go out, so you kind of get that a little bit. And then with Ray and Big E, you're like, okay, this is kind of like the New Day and Ray Mysterio. They're going to take down Brock, but then they he gets them too, and it's like it's like a hope hope spot crushed. And then uh, Cesaro comes out, and at this point, you're starting to get fucking annoyed with Brock. Like if you're get he's getting over for like the first like five guys, but then you're like, fuck this guy. Somebody get him out of there. And then Shelton comes in, and he turns on Shelton, and you're like, oh, that could have been kind of cool. Fuck you. And then Nakamura comes down, and he goes out, and everybody's getting annoyed at this point. MVP, Keith Lee comes down, and you're like, okay, this is cool. He gets a little bit, and him and Braun Strowman go together, uh, and you're like, oh, but then he gets them, and it's, a, and it's like complete hopelessness. Then Ricochet comes out, and you're like, okay, so Ricochet, you know, he, he's like had a thing with them, and then Drew gets him. And you're finally like, wow, you know, it's such a big deal by that point because it's been like 13 eliminations. So you get that story. And then Drew McIntyre is like the new deal. Um, you go through a few guys um, and then Edge comes out. So you you get that big moment. Um, uh, then and he looked good, like, by the way. Yeah, he did. He looked really good. He looked better than he did when he retired, I think. Um, yeah. 
And and then um, you get top guys like Orton and Reigns coming out, and Owens and Joe, um, and and then Rollins comes out, and it's this like ultimate like I've got this plan. It's just such it was such a great heel moment um, with his group keeping him from going out. Um, and then of course, when like the chickens finally come home to roost and he, and he gets ruined, I thought that was great. And then drew, you know, with the fake out with Roman, I thought that was great. So I thought like it was such a tightly put together match and I like incredibly enjoyed it. Yeah, this one more than any rumble in the last decade, at least this one really felt like one of the old school rumbles where, like you said, there's a bunch of different stories going on and there's um, a lot of different callbacks and a lot of different things. And it was more intricately put together than just what we've seen in recent years where it's like, it's all about like one or two guys and then that's it. This one, and oddly enough, this one, it was like the first half was almost all about Lesnar, but there were a lot of things in between that made it work. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I thought the men's Royal Rumble was a home run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, women's, I could have, like, I, I thought Charlotte winning was kind of shocking because I thought Shayna Baszler would, so that was, like, you know, that was that. And, uh, I mean, I guess her going against Rhea Ripley um, gives more Is credibility to... Yeah, yeah, that's the plan right now. Okay, um, cool. And I get that, I guess that gives her more, um, uh, you know, gives NXT more credibility, so there's that. Um what did you think of the Fiend um, Daniel Bryan match? It was probably the best Fiend match so far, mainly pretty much by default because they turned the red lights off, thank God. So it was actually not an eyesore to watch. Um, yeah. I thought it was okay. It was, it was pretty much what I would have expected out of these two at this point. I still um, I, I like the way the Fiend is booked as like this monster, like old school Undertaker type of guy. And uh, overall, I thought it was okay. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's amazing that it took fucking, like, seven years for them to get that with him and to get to this point. Like, we could have had, like, <laughs> like this way earlier. It's it's just amazing how many times they fucked up Bray Wyatt before they got it right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I thought Daniel Bryan was the perfect opponent for, the, for this. Um, um it's obnoxious that they, I think, rushed Bray into a main event position with Seth um, and then had him take that loss for no reason um, or no contest or whatever it was. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he's like, you know, yeah, he's like, he's a, he's a star. So, I mean, there's that. It just would have been nicer if it, like, hadn't been, like, mishandled at various points. So, um was there anything else on this show that stood out to you? I, I say this because I thought Becky and Becky and Oscar was fine. I thought Bailey and Lacey wasn't very good, and I thought Roman Reigns and Corbin was terrible. I thought it was so fucking boring. Oh God, it was yeah, that was awful. That was um, that's a perfect example of a match. It's like all right, if you cut the length in half, it probably would have been okay, but it just wouldn't fucking stop. It just kept going. It's like guys, it's. 10 to 12 tops, and I think you're cool. The only thing I liked about it was the finish. It's like, all right, they did a spot yeah. on the dugout. That's pretty unique. But everything else leading up to it, I was I was just done. Yeah, it was one of those, like, shitty Attitude Era matches, main events, like when they would, like, they, like, go into the crowd, and then they just punch each other, and they walk around, and then they come back. Like, I always hated those. Mm-hmm. That, was, 
That was the fucking dirt worst part of the Attitude Era. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of something else later. But just, like, you wouldn't have wrestling matches. you just have matches where they walk around and punch each other in the face. And it's just like, okay. I, I wonder like, if part of that was because of Austin's health, and they didn't want him. And it was actually, you know, doing a wild, hardcore brawl where you're just punching each other is actually easier on his neck than actually getting in the ring and wrestling and taking bumps. Yeah. I, yeah, I think about that. It's just like, I mean, yeah. It's just like, look how much better that the WrestleMania 14 main event is than the WrestleMania 15 one is. Because, and they fucking do it in the 14 one, too. They go to the, they go to the, the drum set and everything. But, like, mm-hmm. fucking, like, like, they go through the crowd and, like, uh, it's just not as good. I don't know. It's, that started no, you're right. You're absolutely right. But I think, I, I'm wondering if Austin's health was the motivation behind doing that. Yeah, yeah. And they started doing that. The first one is like the night after Survivor Series 96. It's like Austin and Mankind, I think. I remember that match, yeah. Yeah, it's like a blueprint for that stuff. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we had our our, uh, WWE earnings report today. And after the stock tanked, totally tanked last week after uh, Michelle Evans (laughs) and um, George Barrios were just out of nowhere uh, released, or I don't know, they left. They they, they resigned. I don't know. Um, now, what exactly were their roles in the company? So, George Barrios was the, I believe, CFO. Um, they were both presidents, I think, at this point. But um, they were, like, the, the top two behind Vince in the company. Um, uh, oh, gee. I think, I think they both uh, champion the network. Um, and quite frankly, they've been doing a great job with this company because the actual core product has been going downhill and been garbage for a very long time. But they've managed to wring <laughs> a ton of fucking money out of it. So, like, they did a great job. Um, it seemed to be on that call that they were um, there was a difference of opinion on how to move forward. They did not go into detail about that. But they did talk about having some sort of transformative content for the for the network, and they would not be um, against selling content to other streaming providers. So basically, everyone on the financial side of this said, "Oh, so they're going to to sell the rights to Royal Rumble and WrestleMania to like other services <clears throat> because it's long been thought." Uh, well, not long, but it's been thought for for a little bit that WWE has buyer's remorse for putting WrestleMania on the network because UFC, AEW, and some boxing matches have shown that pay-per-view is not dead. Pay-per-view is still around, and it still makes big money. And although the network is profitable and it does do something different for that, they are losing a lot by putting WrestleMania on the network. Um, so there's a thought process of maybe to take that off. But then the problem is you, you already t- took the genie out of the bottle. So how do you go back? Right. And does that lead to major cancellations? Because quite frankly, the reason the subscribers go up in Q1 every year is because of WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble. So if you lose one or both of those, does that still have the same value to people? And I would say probably not. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very interesting. That that's what people were talking about. Um, 
they didn't say um, they didn't really specify how much money they got for NXT on USA, which leads people to be believe it might not be a lot because they brag about everything when they do stuff like that. So um, we'll we'll see because you know I mean people have talked about it every metric except for TV rights, is down. Like, house shows is down. Merchandise is down. Licensing is down. Um, you know, like, they had that fucking awful uh, 2K20 game that everyone hated and w- won't play again. Um, their house shows I are not I can't believe drawing. they released that. I know, yeah. That, that's They're, amazing um, to me. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, well, they got to hit their deadlines, and they had to release something, I guess. So, um so uh yeah no there's <laughs> there's that there's uh you know television ratings keep going down and down and down um you know it, it's some, I, I actually saw a funny post the other day somebody said after the 2015 royal rumble on an investor call people asked about the backlash against the 2015 royal rumble and vince responded that there's a very vocal minority that complains but they will always watch and since that time 50 percent of the audience has left I kid you not, 50%. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so so there's acceptable declines in television ratings. There are acceptable declines because TV, I think, goes down by like, I don't know, like 12% a year or something like that. I don't know. But there are acceptable declines. Your numbers are going to go down. It's natural. But, I mean, like... AEW's numbers don't go down. They, like, kind of stay in the same spot. W- and granted, it's only been four months to the small sample size, but WWE stuff just continues to go down. Like, look at it every January. It's down, down each time. And it's like, you know, I think it got to a point where they were so reliant on those casual fans. They had such disdain for their audience. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to complain. They're still going to watch. And then people didn't. And we're where we are now. We're like, I mean, it's still the highest rated show on cable. Um, and by highest rated show on cable, I mean the highest rated show on Monday nights in the demo. Um, but it's like, it shouldn't be as close as it is, you know, like the percentage that they're dropping, like it won't be eventually, you know, I mean, it, it already loses yeah. the, the football when it's on, which you're not going to be football, but like, you know, Big episodes of, like, Love and Hip Hop can beat it. Like, you know, um, uh, Curse of Oak Island can beat it occasionally. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't watched a full episode of Raw in at least two months. I have not watched a full episode of Raw. And this is amazing. But you're going to be shocked because we do this show. I don't think I've watched it in, in, like, a year. I'm dead serious. I don't actually get the USA Network on my on my cable subscription. Um, so I'll like watch clips occasionally. I haven't watched clips in a long time. Uh, and I'll keep up with the results and see what they're doing. But um, I don't watch because it's fucking three hours. I'm like a goddamn adult. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. that's a big thing. So, just the sheer oversaturation of their product. Um, I mean, when you've got a three-hour show and two two-hour shows every single week with a four- to five-hour pay-per-view that you're always building to, it, it just gets to be too much for people. Yeah. I mean, no human I mean, being I, could possibly be expected to keep up with all this. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I've, I've found it so much better to watch just New Japan um, uh, events 
AEW, and um, I'll watch big WWE things. But you know, and it, it frees up so much time. <laughs> and you're like, you know, I can watch it. I can watch a two-hour show. Like that's fine. But like Raw every week ad nauseum, and nothing happens. It's like, why would I do this? And like the the fact is, like you see with AEW, they've like they've just systematically like poisoned the well as far as like the format of a, of a pro wrestling show. Like the, uh, okay, we'll start, uh, we'll get in an argument. It'll set up the main event. Da, 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 da. We have our pre-planned segments with invisible cameras and everybody's fun. And, you know, and that's what it is. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that. It was not always like that. It used to be, um, it used to be like a, an announcer would would have somebody backstage and you'd go from there and it existed in the confines of its own universe and made sense. The internal logic in WWE makes no goddamn sense. It, it, it hasn't for for like 18 years, 19 years. I wonder if they even, we've talked about this before, but I wonder if they even realized why the Attitude Era worked as well as it did. And I think they think it was just, oh, it was just the Crash TV. And it's like, no, there was some substance underneath, like, the the coding, which was, you know, the cursing and the sex and the violence and all that. But underneath it, there was legitimate storytelling going on that could suck people in. I No, you know what I think? I I, I don't think they think that. I think they think that... They had Rock, Austin, Triple H, Undertaker, and they don't have those guys today. I think that's what they think. Jeez. Not, not, not understanding that if you had those guys, if they came up today, they would be scripted the fuck out of anything interesting. Oh, like, Austin would never get over in today's environment. Never. Yeah, I mean, you can look, I mean, there was a, I think we talked about this one time, there was a, a comic where it was like modern WWE booking and classic situations, and they had Austin, and he's like, he's like, you talk about your Psalms, you talk about John 316, well, Austin 316 says, I'm happy to be here, this is my dream to be a WWE superstar. <laughs> and it, it's like, like, I mean, you've seen You've seen these guys in this environment. It's not good. I've seen The Rock do this. It's like like fucking like childish and stupid. And I guess there's a part of The Rock that was always childish and stupid. But like I've seen Austin. Austin now is nowhere near as interesting as '97. Austin was. I've seen Triple H. He's the fucking he's he's boring too. Like um, Undertaker does the same thing. Like it it doesn't matter unless you're in an environment where it works, you know, and where where the structure um is set up to to have the these segments, you know? Like like I'm watching all these guys and and don't get me wrong, WWE had a good core of talent. Probably more talent as top guys than they have now. However, they were allowed to do the things that made them work. Like uh, like I'm in 97 right now. Um Shawn Michaels is for the first time allowed to be a top level heel, which is what he should be because him as a baby face doesn't work as well. Austin's allowed to be dangerous, like to the point where you're always worried he's going to attack someone. It's a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, uh, Brett was able to be like, like this, this man out of time heel character that really worked well. And Undertaker had a storyline with Kane that was like, really engaging and like these guys were set up to succeed now it's like here here's your script here's your situation 
It all looks artificial. It all comes off as fake. I mean, that's the best thing I can say. Raw and SmackDown and most WWE brands come off as fake. They don't come off as authentic. Um, and, and yeah, it just comes off as, as sterile. Yeah, most of the time that's true. And every once in a while, you'll get a nugget of what it could be. Like, I thought this segment with Edge being attacked by Randy Orton, obviously setting up the WrestleMania match, I thought that came off well. But that is, <laughs> I mean, that's the exception that proves the rule, where everything else in between is just, it's forgettable, like you said, kind of sterile, mechanical, like none of it feels believable. Well, I liked the um, I liked the Batista Flair Triple H thing from last year, where he like dragged the cameraman in there and like beat pulled like a Flair's corpse out of there. Like that was cool. That felt spontaneous. That felt like different. But like their 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 shows aren't like like structured. I mean, you'll watch Nitro if if you're watching the old Nitros, you'll see eventually like shit will happen. I'm like, guy, we have to scramble. We, we don't have a match here. It's like, oh, guy, it wasn't supposed to happen. It, like, because, like, when everything, like, flows so well like that, it's like, okay, so everything was obviously planned, right? This was like, what else was going to go here, you know? You know, it's funny you mentioned that. One of the last episodes I watched, it was supposed to be Luger and the Giant for the world title. And Luger, he was doing this thing where he couldn't make it to the building for his title matches for whatever reason, and that was the second time he missed out. So they were scrambling. It's like, oh, shit, we don't have a world title match. And then Duggan just went out there and challenged the Giant. It's like, okay, whatever. I mean, no one else is stepping up, and Luger's not here. So fuck it. Let's just go with it. And, again, it kind of felt spontaneous and, like, shit was kind of getting whatever format they had was being thrown out the window because their, their top guy didn't show up. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like, I, I mean, there, there's, in, there's inherent storytelling problems as there have been with WWE and we'll continue until they like realize what, I, I don't think they realize what the problem is. I, I don't think they do. I think they're like, ah, you know, these guys just aren't cutting it. You know, that's the problem. Or it's like uh, cord cutters or whatever, but um, you know, it, it is what it is. So well, All right. Is, you want like real humanity? Go watch NWA Power because some of the promos on that show are fucking excellent. I mean, there's some of the best promos in wrestling right now, and I agree. Those guys can do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you get you get good ones in AEW. I agree. NWAs are probably the best, but yeah, um, guys can do it. It's it's whether they're 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 able to succeed. But. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, so I think we're going to finish up here, but we'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Um, uh, hopefully we'll be back next week, but, you know, who knows with us. Uh, we will um, <laughs> keep you posted, but thank you, everybody, for joining us. I am Eric Clancy, alongside my wonderful co-host, Mr. Patrick Kelly, and we are signing off. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.